Welcome to the Only in Staten podcast. This is Swami. Today, I'm here with Danielle Langen. Danielle is our medical education fellow at Staten Island University Hospital, and we are really excited to be getting this podcast off the ground. Super excited. Thank you so much for having me today, Swami. Yeah, we've been chatting a lot about what we want to do with this podcast, what it wants to sound like. And I think what we kind of settled on is we're going to take some pearls from our conference and recount them for everybody. So, you know, sometimes you miss a pearl or you didn't get to go to conference that week. And this is going to give you some of those big take home points just in another form to reinforce that education. And so to kick it off, we're going to discuss some pearls from a talk you recently gave on lithium toxicity. You up for it? Let's get into it. All right. To start, why this topic? Because I'm going to be honest, Danielle, I don't see a lot of patients on lithium and I see even fewer patients with lithium toxicity. So why dedicate a talk to this topic? Lithium toxicity is definitely a really rare and super confusing diagnosis with a ton of surrounding controversy in terms of management, but specifically when to dialyze these patients. But it all goes back to when I was a rising second year, I encountered a patient at Sen Island with acute on chronic lithium toxicity. I actually sprinted to the critical care supply room, went to grab the emergent dialysis catheter kit, really excited to do a procedure, only to come back and see that the toxicology consultant note was recommending IV fluids and no dialysis. And in that moment, I thought to myself, what do I really know about lithium toxicity? So after that patient encounter, I went back, did my research and read more about lithium toxicity. And today I'm going to share with you guys five easy to understand take home points. All right, so we got five points. Let's start with point number one, which is that lithium behaves similar to sodium due to their similar structures. Lithium is just like sodium. They're both positively charged cations. So lithium comes in either the immediate release form or the sustained release form. And lithium, because it's a positive ion, does not bind to activated charcoal. That's something really important to keep in mind. Lithium is highly water-soluble and has a low volume of distribution. So why does this matter? Well, for one, these properties are what make lithium dialyzable. And two, because lithium has a really low volume of distribution, it actually takes up to 24 hours for lithium to cross into the blood-brain barrier. More on this later. Lithium is excreted by the kidneys where it's treated like sodium. Any condition that is going to impair renal function or enhance sodium reabsorption will actually lead to lithium reabsorption, accumulation, and possible toxicity. This is the exact reason why someone who is taking lithium should avoid medications such as NSAIDs, ACE inhibitors, or ARBs. You must always consider the patient's volume status when managing these patients. Any patient on lithium who becomes volume down for any reason at all can by itself lead to severe toxicity without the patient actually ingesting any additional lithium. There's a number of really important things within there. So lithium can't be bound by charcoal, so don't bother trying to give charcoal for that. If you have a patient on lithium, and they come in with acute pain, you probably don't want to send them home on NSAIDs. That's probably a bad idea. And then consider lithium toxicity in any patient on lithium who comes in with a gastroenteritis type of picture. They've got nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, their volume down. That in and of itself, even though the patient hasn't taken any extra lithium, can cause lithium toxicity. Some really important points in there. That brings us to point number two. Lithium toxicity, it's not so straightforward. It can really occur in three different ways. You can have acute toxicity, you can have chronic toxicity and the lovely acute on chronic toxicity. And we really have to understand the presentation and management of these three different forms. 
Exactly. Let's just break it down into each different form. So number one, we have acute toxicity. Acute toxicity is going to be seen in someone who's lithium naive. For example, someone who ingested a lot of pills in an acute overdose or a suicide attempt. Your GI symptoms are going to predominate in this presentation. So nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and you may see some delayed neurological symptoms. And this makes sense with what we said earlier, where it takes 24 hours or more for lithium to actually cross into the blood brain barrier. So that's less likely in these acute presentations. Second, we have the chronic lithium toxicity. And this is going to be the most common presentation that we see in the emergency department. In these patients, lithium accumulates through renal dysfunction. So whether that's from dehydration, like you said earlier, some GI illness, a medication interaction, etc. With chronic toxicity, this is where we see neurological symptoms ranging all the way from tremor, ataxia, dysarthria, nystagmus, hyperreflexia, moving on to more severe presentations like delirium, seizures, and even coma. Something else to consider with chronic lithium toxicity and chronic lithium users is they may develop nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. The reason behind this is chronic lithium ingestion leads to an ADH, antidiuretic hormone resistance, which results in polyuria and polydipsia, where the kidneys are basically wasting free water. So this is something important to consider in chronic lithium users. And finally, we have the most deadly acute on chronic lithium toxicity, which is the most dangerous presentation of all three. So this is a patient that already has lithium in their body. They're at high risk for acute decompensation if there's any sudden increase in their lithium ingestions, whether they're ingesting more lithium or whether they have acute illness where they have now dehydration and their lithium levels rise. This type of presentation is where some more dangerous vital signs may come into play, where you might see bradycardia, hypotension, and even hyperthermia. And this is what makes lithium scary. There's so many different components to actually making the diagnosis, and it can mimic a lot of other toxidromes due to the variety in presentation. Danielle, that brings us nicely to point number three, because these different presentations make it more complicated. And what you would love is I can just get a lithium level And that gives me the answer of whether the patient is toxic or not. But your point number three is that you can't trust a lithium level. Exactly. You should never trust a lithium level. And the reason behind this is a single lithium level really has limited utility. So serum lithium levels means different things to different patients. So for example, you have someone chronically on lithium. You take their level and let's say they have a level of four. If that person takes a whole bunch of lithium and they present to us now in the acute on chronic presentation, their lithium level still might be four when you draw it, but we don't really know what that means. And you know, if they're presenting acute on chronic, we have to manage them way more aggressively than someone who's a chronic user coming in with a level of four. Another important point to keep stressing is that serum levels do not correlate to brain toxicity. It takes 24 hours for lithium to cross the blood-brain barrier, and the main goal for the kidneys is to excrete and clear all this lithium before it gets into the brain. Point number four is that IV fluids are a critical piece of management. Danielle, we spent a lot of time over the last five to six years kind of beating IV fluids down, but here IV fluids can be the hero. And one of the biggest points to take away from this talk is aggressive fluid repletion for lithium toxicity. Two of the main reasons lithium toxicity occurs is either the patient's on lithium and becomes severely volume depleted, or the kidneys are not able to excrete the lithium. Let's take it back to what we said before. Lithium behaves like sodium. Salt and water follow each other. If we have a patient who has working kidneys, we can bring them back to a state of euvolemia by giving them a ton of isotonic crystalloid fluids in which the kidneys are being told it's time to excrete all that sodium and lithium will follow. 
And I'm sure the next question that you have is how much fluids to give. In someone who can tolerate it, you can give a bolus up to four to six liters of fluids initially and then follow that by 1.5 to two times maintenance fluids. This is what toxicology actually recommended for the patient I was talking about earlier. The good thing is once we start giving fluids, we know as ER docs how to check fluid responsiveness using bedside ultrasound to help us guide our resuscitation. And since this is a tox topic, I just want to mention quickly about GI decontamination. We mentioned earlier we can't do activated charcoal because lithium is a positive ion and it won't bind to the charcoal. We can, however, consider whole bowel irrigation with polyethylene glycol. The one time I would say this can be used and would be useful is in the setting of a really large acute sustained release ingestion. All right, that brings us to point number five, our final point. Hemodialysis is an important piece of management, but the indications aren't as simple and well understood as we'd like them to be. Yeah, so we just talked a lot about someone whose kidneys are working where we could give them IV crystalloid fluids, hoping that all of the lithium will be excreted. Now, when someone has impaired renal function, we may have to turn to dialysis to treat these patients. The problem is the recommendation of when to pull the trigger and actually dialyze these patients varies widely throughout many different reputable sources. X-TRIP recommends hemodialysis for patients with a lithium level above five or above four with renal dysfunction present. However, we know that not one size fits all. You might want to start giving IV fluids and then trend lithium levels over time. If you see that the levels are rising after a couple of hours after you've given fluids, you repeat the level, things might get worse, so you might want to consider dialysis at that time. It's important really to just use your clinical judgment and do serial neurologic exams. If you see that your patient is decompensating in front of you and they have an acute change in mental status, it might be time to consider hemodialysis. Something else that's interesting to mention is when you compare hemodialysis in the acute setting versus the chronic setting. So there are some thoughts that it might be better to do hemodialysis in the acute toxicity setting because you're essentially removing everything before it gets to the brain. You're removing all that lithium out before it crosses the blood-brain barrier. There's another thought that hemodialysis may actually be more dangerous for chronic lithium users. There's something called silent syndrome. And the thought out there is that if you do dialysis in a chronic lithium user, their lithium levels will drop too quickly. And this may cause something called silent syndrome. Silent syndrome stands for syndrome of irreversible lithium effectuated neurotoxicity. And yes, it's as confusing as the name sounds and very poorly understood. But the thought out there is there might be some long-term irreversible neurologic injury after dialyzing a chronic lithium user. I guess the summary of that for dialysis is those levels above five or above four with renal dysfunction typically means that you're going to need a dialysis, but not always. And in acute toxicity, there's going to be more benefit to dialysis. In chronic toxicity, there are some downsides. Daniel, it is pretty complicated. And I'm going to be honest with you. If I have one of these patients, one of the first calls I'm going to make is to my toxicology consultant because they can really be helpful in guiding us into how we're going to manage those patients because there is a lot of nuance. You know, in general, I don't like to manage diseases where they're is a 100-page chapter in Gold Frank's toxicology. And I feel like lithium falls into that category. There's so much nuance here. Get your tox consultant on the phone. Let them help you to manage it. And fortunately, tox consultants are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, pretty much anywhere in the country. In fact, I remember when I trained at Bellevue, the tox people there would say, I don't care where you go to practice, you can still call us anytime and we will guide you in management. And I think that really should stick in our heads that when you have one of these patients, get your tox folks on the phone, let them help and guide your management so that you don't have to worry about all those little nuances. You can let them worry about that and tell you what is the next step. 
Absolutely. And we're so lucky here at Staten Island. We have one of our toxicologists, Dr. Majlesi, who I believe was physically there in person helping me resuscitate and guide management for this patient. I find that if you have a toxicologist as part of your team, they magically appear when these tox cases <laughs> show up in your department. It's like they have like a bat phone. And as soon as they get that call, they are there because they get so excited about these cases. And Nima is definitely one of those people who gets excited and wants to be there to help that resuscitation. All right. So, Danielle, before we close up, let's just recount those five critical teaching points for lithium. Let's do it. Number one, lithium toxicity is rare and confusing, and you need to know the properties to help dictate management. So lithium behaves like sodium. If you remember that, you can guide your management accordingly. Number two, remember the three different types of presentations. So acute versus chronic versus acute on chronic, which is the most deadly. Number three, never trust a lithium level. The only time to even consider trusting it is if you're going to guide your resuscitation by giving fluids and then repeating a level at a later time, but never trust that initial level. Number four, fluids, 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 and more fluids. Always consider first giving IV crystalloid fluids for patients with lithium toxicity if their kidneys can handle it. And then that brings us to number five. If their kidneys can't handle it, you want to know when to consider hemodialysis. So number one, if the lithium level is above five. Number two, if the patient has renal failure plus a lithium level above four. And number three, really clinical consideration and multiple serial neurologic exams. All right. Well, that is our only in statin podcast for this week. Danielle, I can't wait to get back on and review some more pearls from conference and everybody out there. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait for the next one.